Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast, brought to you alongside our friends at Coam. I hope you're all doing well. Normality seems to feel like it's restoring itself a little bit. Um, you guys might be back at the office, some shops have opened, it's all getting rather exciting, isn't it? Um, but this week on Giant Talk, I'm delighted to have Brian Mallory with me from ACS Embrace, based in South Africa. Brian, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much, Lawrence. Uh, good to be here. Awesome. So in a little while, we're going to be talking about, um, well, do OKRs actually work in sales teams is really going to be the theme of, of the conversation. Um, and I'm sure it'll become obvious which side of the answer you lie on, Brian. Um, <laughs> but first, tell us a little bit about yourself, You know, your, your background, who ACS Embrace are and what they do, and your role there. Sure. Um, okay, so basically... Uh, ACS Embrace is a local South African enterprise resource planning software company. And uh, the, the website is embrace.co.za. And in essence, my role currently within the company is um, doing high-value business-to-business sales. Now, my background um, is, is strictly in high-value business-to-business sales. And I've Started in telesales, moved to field sales. I've done sales management. Um, I've done high-value business-to-business sales training. I've also um, been based in Johannesburg, South Africa, as well as London, England, and back again. I've sold mm-hmm. globally on different products. And over the years, I've basically acquired the skills to become a change catalyst. Um, so as the head of any sales organization, uh, as, as they'll know, it's like herding cats. So you've got to be equipped. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, so in essence, to effectively change the behavior of the sales team, um, you need to be really an expert in time management, problem wants management, performance management, motivation and, and goal setting. Um, and obviously you need to be an expert in sales. And uh, so, so that's luckily I'm an expert in sales uh, as well as sales management, which are, are two completely different skill sets. Um, sure. But for the last eight eight years prior to to joining ACS Embrace, I was doing high value business to business sales training and teaching people what the top ten percent of the world's best sales professionals do differently, and how they can apply those same skills into their own environments. So that's a little bit about me and a little bit about uh, ACS Embrace. Okay, interesting. So your role with ACS is both a sales role and a management role then, is it? No, funnily enough, it's just a sales role. <laughs> right, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so whilst I've, whilst I've dropped down the, the ladder on, on the, uh, the job title side, I'm, I'm starting to climb the ladder on, on the learning side because uh, sure. I've got the, the sales management skills and how to, how to change performance within the sales side of things. But what really interested me about uh, this company and enterprise resource sales management uh, or enterprise resource planning is that as ERP as a whole helps you improve the entire organization. So I wanted to expand my knowledge of, uh, you know, influencing the business um, and and just taking a holistic view of things. So, yeah, yeah. lot cool. to learn. Sounds good. <laughs> so when did you first come across OKRs then, Brian? Well, funny enough, um, you know, back in the day, um, the, they all started up being called KPIs. 
but I'd, I'd read a book um, called Jack Welsh and the GE Way. And this was cheapest. This was ages ago. This was going back to about the year 2000, so two decades ago at least. But Jack Welsh was the CEO of General Electric. They were one of the best performing um, shares on on the um, on the American stock market. And yeah. I read this book and it just fascinated me that they had all of these terms that I'd never heard of before. They, they were terms which were lean manufacturing and Six Sigma and how everything was measured and managed. And it just fascinated me because at that point there was nothing with regards to sales. And I, I read this book and I, I thought to myself, how could it how could it possibly be applied to sales? I mean, it's such an intangible type of uh, art. There was no science to it, really, or, or, or none that I could put my finger on. And then what I did is I, I started actually um, applying my mind to it, and then I came up with a, a set of measurements for sales, which I then implemented in my sales team. And from there, uh, it grew. I then started weighting the different areas, um, putting in averages, benchmarks, and it really became a, a super powerful tool um, that dramatically increased uh, the, the performance of, of my sales team's results. And, you know, the, the results went from, from good to great. <laughs> okay. So um, how do you formulate the, the OKRs within ACS then? Uh, that's okay. Well, firstly, it, in, it involves a lot of brainstorming uh, with with the team and a lot of buy-in. Uh, so, so they can't be something that you just implement uh, and tell people this is what's going to be happening. Um, right. So, as as yet, um, OKRs aren't a part of the software offering, um, but luckily, that's uh, that's something that. I hope to be involved in when when the <laughs> when the development of that comes out and is rolled out, but uh, it's it's something that needs to be brainstormed with the teams, and um, and and certainly you need to understand what you're looking to achieve clearly before you you go and implement it. Um, so so yeah, I mean that's the the short version of that. <laughs> okay, so you have a, a strategy piece that you're already aligning into, do you, before you start with your OKRs or do you use the OKRs to help you formulate your strategy? It's, it's understanding the strategy first of what you want to achieve and then understanding what you want to do in terms of some, some activities are going to be um, input activities and some are going to be output activities so so the output is the end result of your effort so in a sales environment um people may be phoning uh outbound but that may confuse them because that's just an input the sale uh, is the yeah. output of their effort so it's making sure that the correct me measurements are put in place and understanding what it is you're looking to achieve because in essence, what you want is you want for people to be productive. You don't want for them to be busy. And if you encourage and measure the wrong thing, then you you can lead your, your team into disaster. So it's, yeah. it's critical to, to understand the difference between busy and productive and, and knowing, knowing clearly what those activities are in any given organization. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And and that's an important definition for OKRs is, is it's not about measuring, um, well, what, what you're calling input, but what we would actually call output. And we would say um, it's about measuring the outcomes rather than the output. So, yeah, it's not the work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, you know. Beautifully if said, you, yes. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 you, if you ring 30 people and make one sale or ring two people and make one sale, the, the outcome is the same, right? It's one sale. It's uh, one person's just going to spend a whole day doing it. The other person's going to spend half an hour doing it. Um, but they're achieving the same results. And, and the result is what we want to measure. 100%. 100%. It's about, it's about the results. Granted, you need mm-hmm. the activity uh, to, to get there, but it's we're, we're all hired in whatever role we're in. We're hired to achieve the end result. And you either did achieve it during the month or you didn't. And if you didn't, what are the correct steps you need to take in order to achieve yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned then when when you were reading Jack Welsh in the GE way, you know, you obviously found that very inspiring and and then it led you to what you classed as from good to great or to high performance, I suppose. Yeah. What how do you define what high performance is? I mean, that sounds quite subjective to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what what happened is when I was in London, I uh, I started as head of telesales and I had five team members and they were cumulatively reaching about 30 to 40% of their sales target per month. And the worst sales performer of the team was making 279 phone calls out to get one sale back in. Then right. uh, two and a half years later, I'd grown the team to 24 members from five and cumulatively they were doing 105% of their sales target and they had an average hit rate of 25 calls out to one sale back. So that's basically an 11-fold increase in sales effectiveness. Mm. And, you know, as a team performance, it was 105% of the required target made. So that's definitely, you know, a good to great story right there. And it couldn't have been done without the implementation of the right measurements and having those measurements and tools available for them Mm. yeah okay so what what were the measurements and tools that you started to push them towards over that two and a half year journey well what i did is basically i first brainstormed it with with my team and we originally had three areas that we were measuring and it was the most basic it was um it was the number of sales that they were making each month. And if you hit your correct amount of sales, you would score um, 60 points. And then we had their call rate. Um, and if you hit your required amount of calls for the month, you would hit uh, 20 points. And then we had the hit rate, which was basically dividing the amount of sales by the, the amount of calls and then that gave you your effectiveness rate. So how many phone calls you were having to make to, to make one sale. And then from that, you could see, well, maybe I'm having to make 75 phone calls in a day mm. to, or, or 75 phone calls to, to reach one sale or to make one sale. And then from there, you can, you can see, is this person achieving 75 phone calls to get that sell in the correct amount of time because they either have to um, phone more 
to, to reach their target because some people will only be doing 50 calls a day, but in actual fact, if they were doing 75, they'd be able to reach their target. And, yeah. and then we were able to establish, okay, so here we can see they either missed their target or made their target. And then thereafter, we introduced things like product knowledge as well. Um, and then it was, in essence, four areas. It was their target, their call rate, their hit rate, and a score on product knowledge as well. And to be clear on what, how I scored them on product knowledge, what I would do is I would go and sit in the boardroom and then they would have a roll call, telephone call with me where I would, in essence, play the part of the prospect. And what I was marking them off on was the right questions to be asked for that particular product that they were selling. I was not... I was not marking them on what they were telling me about the product because telling is not selling. I was marking them on what they were asking me, the, the right questions to be asking me about that specific product to uncover the needs for me to be able to recognize I have a need to purchase the product. So that's, that's a critical uh, factor is to, to make sure that you – when you're testing on product knowledge, you're actually testing them on the right questions to ask around your product and not are they putting across, did they mention this feature or that feature or the next feature? So, yeah, we, sure. had, a, we had a massive improvement, but it was only done because of the, um, the, the correct OKRs being, being put in place. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned, and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Koan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours. So... I've got to say, one of my favourite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in in series two, I think it was episode three of this podcast, we actually <laughs> spent about half an hour, forty minutes talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah. You know, even just things like adding a, a gift to to your reflections adds some real personality. And I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But it, it allows that fun throughout the organization. And that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team, definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, koan, that's K-O-A-N dot co forward slash giants where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. So you mentioned then that um, it's, it's really important that any team actually, not just the sales team, we just happen to be talking about sales team, but that they fully understand the objectives and they're involved in the objective setting um, when, when they're being created. Do you also expect your sales teams to um, accept accountability and responsibility for those metrics or, or do they sit with you as team lead? It definitely lies on the team members themselves. And, you know, the, 
one of the, the, the big areas where it's easy to fail as a sales director is to, to tell them, okay, Brian, uh, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the next thing mm. based on both of you sitting together and looking at the screen and reviewing that person's results for the month. That's, that's the normal sort of uh, thing that we land up doing. But in order to get the best results from the person, what we need to be doing is asking them, okay, Brian, um, these are your results. How do you think you landed up improving your, your score in this area from last month? We can see that you've now scored uh, eight, eight more points in this area. That's a nice improvement, Brian. How did you do that? And then what happens is that person whom you're speaking to, they then tell you how they managed to increase uh, their effectiveness in that area. And what, what that is doing is it's creating an opportunity for them to speak about what they did well, which A, embeds it. Um, you want to you encourage the good behavior. And then, albeit that us as sales directors or sales managers will know where they haven't done well and why, if yeah. we tell them what they haven't done well and why, then they've lost the learning opportunity. So in the same manner, you could ask that person, okay, Brian, so I see your score dropped over here by a few points. What is it that, uh, that happened? What do you think could do differently? And then basically that person now gets the opportunity to say, okay, well, this happened. And whatever yeah. that that point may be, sometimes it's going to be an excuse and sometimes it's going to be a reason. And we need to know the difference between the two. A reason is something uh, that should be changed to accommodate uh, that particular point. And an excuse is where they've just not taken any accountability or responsibility for, for their role. They're pointing the finger externally and, you know, we should just ask them more questions to get them on board. <laughs> so, yeah. so in terms of, of how to get the best out of the, the, the OKRs and who's responsible, the, you know, the, the people who are being measured are responsible. You know, the, the world right now, where we're at, everybody hates the truth and everybody mm. hates personal accountability and responsibility. It's, it's basically swear words. But, but people want, especially salespeople, people want to be held accountable. People want the opportunity to, to improve. And if you give them the tools and show them how they can do it, they will grab it and they'll run with it. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because I think what people want actually is, is autonomy and flexibility, not 100%. realizing the prerequisites of that are accountability and responsibility. 100% right. You know, it was uh, Daniel H. Pink. He uh, wrote the book Drive, a fantastic yeah. book. And Drive is all about motivation. Mm. And uh, he, he talks about three different areas. It, he talks about mastery, autonomy, and purpose. So part and parcel of me making sure that my team is motivated daily, which is the most important thing, is making sure that they're the goals that they set for themselves are intrinsic versus extrinsic. You know, if, yeah. I, if I go in there and I say, okay, guys, we've got this fantastic uh, sales incentive this month and this is what it is, well, that's an 
extrinsic goal. That's me imposing a goal onto them. Yeah, hopefully it, it, it would be nice, but but for sustained motivation, you need an intrinsic goal. So yeah. the sales director needs to do goal setting with them. And to make it really powerful, add in their purpose. Mm-hmm. So what is their purpose when they are phoning to try and set up an appointment or to try and make a sale? What is their actual purpose? How does the product that they sell add value to the person's life whom they are trying to call and and set up a meeting with. And once they understand their purpose and once they have their own intrinsic goals, their level of motivation increases exponentially. Now you give them the tools to, um, to be able to have mastery and autonomy and they're going to absolutely fly. And the mastery yeah. is the OKR system that helps them to understand how they can improve and where they can improve. And of course, the, the autonomy is that it's the it's the art of asking the right questions to your sales team uh, that helps to empower them as opposed to uh, the very easy um trap to fall into, which is to tell them what to do to improve their performance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I completely agree. Um, so, I mean, people do tend to have a view that the OKRs don't work in sales because of how monetary and goal-led it is. We're obviously starting to get a picture of the side of the fence that you fall on. Um, I, I'm interested, though, when you've used OKRs in the past with sales teams, have you set them as stretch targets? Because I think that's one of the main reasons they fall down is that traditionally sales teams like to have a very hard goal that they are set. And and like we were just talking about motivators, that their motivators are often set according to that hard target. You know, you get 80% of your sales, you get 80% of your bonus sort of thing. And I think that's where there's often a disconnect between OKRs and and sales teams. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so certainly stretch targets. You, you need, you need to, to have, I would say stretch targets, but also attainable targets. Um, you know, one, one of the things that, that I did is I implemented a, a benchmark for my team mm. that, okay, 70 points out of a hundred is the benchmark. And yeah. then as opposed to their own actual score each each month, there would be the team average. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is when I would speak to them, I wouldn't talk about the, the team average. I would talk about their own performance. And I would never, ever, under any circumstances, go, hey, Lawrence, um, you know, you, you scored um, 61 points out of 100 this month, but, but, uh, but Mark scored... 90 points again and mm. I would never ever point to the top sales performer so when when managing the team we need to manage them on their own results and their own results only and then right. when it comes to to setting a, a benchmark or a stretch goal or, or target then that needs to be implemented it has to be realistic but yeah. what I would do is on a quarterly basis I would review it with the team. So, for example, uh, in the first quarter of the year, the benchmark, hypothetically speaking, is 70 points out of 100. Then the team average would come in 
at 71.31. So what I would then do is I would go, okay, guys, you know, let's, let's aim for 75. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a smallish increase, um, but it's a reasonable increase. And, yeah. it's, and it moves them up um, little by little to increase their effectiveness and performance. And, of course, they love that because the, the better they become, the more they earn. <laughs> Yeah, naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, people, you know, you mentioned right at the beginning of this call that like you went from good to great, which is what we're talking about here, really slowly pushing that needle. But, you know, you you were quite open about the fact that it happened over two and a half years. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it was a journey, right? Sure. But, um, you know, I mean, these days it's so much easier. You've got the likes of, uh, a Salesforce type of uh, software to help you out. I mean, this was literally taking a concept and and building a platform. So, <laughs> you know, there, there weren't the, the helpful tools that you that you have today. But you know, regardless of of, of that, it it is a process, and um, you know the, the the process is a super rewarding process for everybody in, involved, and. Um, it's very easy to to set up the system incorrectly. Firstly, um, and and secondly, to to set the wrong objectives. Uh, so I say I say that because um, something salespeople or sales directors will often say to their team is, "Hey, Lawrence, tell me, um, have you followed up with Brian yet?" Mm. and and that sales director will be referring to the feedback that Lawrence had given him last week. And he'd mentioned this company, Brian, and Brian sounded super keen and interested. And now the sales director goes, hey, Lawrence, have you followed up with Brian? It's a normal, normal uh, sentence that leaves the sales director's mouth. However, <laughs> it's, it's setting you, Lawrence, up for failure. Yeah. And the reason why that is, is because most of us in sales, we've got a people-pleasing personality. So at a subconscious level, you, Lawrence, are now wanting to, to go and please your boss who's asked you if you've followed up with Brian. So what you do is you phone Brian and you follow up with him. So in, in actual fact, what is now happening is you are passively approaching the phone call to see if you have a sale versus if your sales director had come over to you and said, Lawrence, I'm not seeing a a sales order from Brian yet. Have you closed him yet? Now, all of a sudden, now the responsibility is on you, Lawrence, to phone Brian and your job is to close the sale. So now the, the, the onus and the responsibility of the outcome of the call is not lying on the prospect's shop. It's now lying on your shoulders, Lawrence. So now what that means is you're going to make an effort in order to make the sale versus phoning to follow up to see if you've got the sale. So by that one simple language uh, observation and correction, we can set much better objectives for our team by going, hey, Lawrence, I don't have a sales order here from Brian. Have you closed Brian yet? Yeah. And then the objective changes completely. It goes Shit. from passive 
and no responsibility for the outcome of the call to now it's active and you are responsible for the outcome of the call. And what that does is it shortens the sales cycles as well because the correct objective is set right there up front. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Um, I like that. We're all about chain, using language, harnessing the power of language and objectives, and, and that's a really, really interesting one. Um, and it's, and it's, it's the subtleties. It's the small yeah. subtleties that, that land up making a huge difference. <laughs> Yeah, and it just completely changes the expectations for the employee, doesn't it? I mean, that's absolutely. what it's all about, really. Yeah, interesting. Um, cool. So, um, been a really, really interesting discussion, Brian. Um, I'm sure any of our listeners who work in sales teams, which I know is a lot of them actually, um, quite quite a high proportion, um, will have taken loads of valuable information from this, but. If you were going to give one piece of advice to a company or a manager that was trying to get cracking with OKRs, and I guess specifically in sales team, if, if you've got what, what, what would the one piece of advice be? Uh, it's, it's difficult to, to give one piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us a couple. <laughs> okay, so, so basically, um, yeah, involves the team is the first thing I'd say. So get them involved, get them to understand what it is that you're trying to achieve. You're you're trying to achieve performance improvement. So Usain Bolt doesn't get faster because the coach looks at him and goes, yeah, you looked like you were a bit faster this time, buddy. Mm. No, it's about the measurements. That's how you improve. It's from the measurements, getting them to understand that and being involved in it. Um, Then that next point of getting them to tell you what they did and and how they reached the, the, the result and what they can do differently to improve the result. Getting them to tell you how they can change, that's absolutely crucial. Um, and then, as I said, it's, it's all down to the subtleties. Never compare them to the top performer or to the benchmark. That's for their own personal drive and ambition. Compare themselves to their own previous month's performance um, and then, of course, if you want a different focus, then change the measurement. Uh, it's really, it's really that that easy. And then, and then the the last point is just um, keep it simple. Truly, keep it simple. I, yeah. I I managed to get fantastic results across four measurements. Uh, adding five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten measurements. No, you've missed the boat. Mm. It's mm. about keeping it simple yeah and once, and, and, once you've got it simple you've got the buy-in and you'll you'll manage to effect the change correctly yeah that's, completely that's agreed. <laughs> fab well brian that that has been fascinating and i think there was a couple of decent book recommendations that came out of that as well um <laughs> jack welch and the ge way sounds really interesting and i'm sure a lot of people have read drive by daniel h pink but if you haven't, highly recommend checking that out. Uh, that is a really, really good book to uh, put on your reading list. Um, so, so Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed it. Lawrence, fantastic podcast. Uh, keep up the good work and thanks so much for having me. Cheers. And to all our Cheers. listeners, thanks for tuning in again. Um, you know what I'm going to ask. If you do enjoy the podcast, please go to your chosen podcast platform and, and give us a five-star review or leave a comment or whatever it is that your platform allows you to do. Um, 
And of course, don't forget to um, join us on our live podcast that we've started doing once a month. Um, they're your opportunity to put any questions to us there and then for, for me and the panel to answer. Um, they're fantastic. You can see the dates via our LinkedIn page. Um, and we're also hosting web- monthly webinars now as well. So so make sure you check those out because they're really interesting too. Um, we, we do some deep dives into very specific topics on those. So it'd be great to have more people coming and watching those. Um, but until till next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll speak to you all soon. Bye.